Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Old Dog Soapbox Podcast with your host, Norman Goodman. And I hope everyone is doing well. I apologize for the uh, long delay in posting a podcast. I've been just enjoying the uh, holidays and the time with my family and my wife and just chilling a little bit, just trying to absorb and reflect on 2022 and uh, and then now getting started. So um, today, I mean, what I want to touch on is a little bit, which I haven't said anything about, was the Andrew Tate situation. And um, also I want to talk about a book, a little bit about a book I just finished called The Shadow of Power, The Council on Foreign Relations and the American Decline by uh, James Perloff. And um, I want to talk about a little bit about that, about the Council on Foreign Relations and how um, how this organization has been controlling our uh, international policies, our foreign policies, and how they have uh, literally spawned uh, the Trilateral Commission, which you've heard me talk about before, in the World Economic Forum. So, uh, and I also want to talk about um, the World Economic Forum that's going on, and um, this uh, woman that's on a panel. Her name is Vera. Uh, Jarova and what she said about uh, hate speech that's coming, hate speech laws that's coming to the United States. So let's get let's get along with it. Let's go. Let's start this podcast. Um, hey, let's talk about Andrew Tate. Now, I haven't watched Andrew Tate. I haven't known about Andrew Tate until here recently. And so my wife and I decided to go on an Andrew Tate bench to see what this young man was talking about uh, and what he was saying. And um, as we listen to him, my wife is, you know, she's, you know, an older woman, you know, so she's listened to Andrew Tate. We're sitting around. And, as a matter of fact, I think she's been more on an Andrew Tate binge than I was, you know, because I listen, I listen to a couple of things, but she's really been on an Andrew Tate binge, and she likes Andrew Tate. She's, she says there's nothing that he said that he's been incorrect on, because my wife has, has said on many occasions that women are very competitive and women want to be in charge and when women can't control the environment or the converse, conversation women get very emotional and get violent but Andrew Tate as listening to him and, and the things that he was saying um, about women a couple of things in particular when he talked about when a woman marries a man she becomes his and a lot of women a lot of feminists really got upset about that uh, my wife to her credit did not feel offended by that she was like well when I married you I took on your last name and so that made you responsible for me. So, yes, I am yours, just like you are mine. And um, like when I got married, I have no problem. With my wife saying that I'm hers. OK, as if I'm her property or whatever, but I belong to her. I remember we went out to a restaurant one time and I came in behind her. She was already at the counter. And one young lady looked at me and she said, well, the line is back here. And my wife immediately turned around without even a blink. And said, that belongs to me. He belongs to me. Come on up here. I took pride in that because it was ownership. She took ownership for me belonging to her. And she does the same thing. But these feminists today, they take offense to that. Like, what do you mean? I don't belong to anybody. I, I, I'm nobody's property. They look at it as the wrong way because they've been developed under a delusion of, of, of womanhood and feminism which is actually a direct attack against women anyway, but a lot of women don't understand that. So he made that comment, and we both looked at each other and was like, we don't have a problem with that. I mean, why are everybody getting upset? And uh, he also made another statement about women in defense. 
He said women go out here and they take these Taibo classes or these little martial art classes or whatever, and they have this false sense of security. You know, I've taken these martial art classes and I know how to throw a roundhouse or a sidekick or I know how to choke out a man. Well, in a dojo, it's different. In a dojo, the 255-pound man is going to let you do that because he's trying to train you or whatever. In the real world, a 110-pound, 120-pound soaking soaking wet woman, a woman that soak, weighs 150 pounds soaking wet, is not going to stand a chance against a grown-ass man. Even if he's 150 pounds and he doesn't even train, she's not going to stand a chance. She's going to get broken in two. That's the reality. And what he was suggesting was the woman should scream and run. Don't put herself in that position. And my wife looked and she was like, yeah, he's right. You know, if a man hits you as a woman, I don't care how much you train, that shit's going to hurt. And you're going to be more damaged. My mother used to tell my sisters that. When we were growing up, she was like, when you step into a man's world, expect to be treated like a man. If you attack a man, expect to get treated like a man. And a man's power is 10 times as a woman. And he can hit you in places that would damage you for life. My mother would tell my sisters that all the time. You know, she understood as a biological woman, her limitations physically when it came down to a man. She knew a man was more powerful than she was, and she didn't have a problem with that. But these feminists out here have a problem with the man telling them, listen, it doesn't matter how much Tybo you take. You get out there and you get in a, and try to get into a scuffle with a man, you're going to get crushed. Now, there are exceptions. You might have a woman that might be able to take out a man. Exceptions. There are exceptions of some women that might be physically stronger than some men. Exceptions, not the rule. So we didn't see any problem with what, with what he said. And we listened to a lot of his stuff. Now, his arrest thing that's coming up, and he already said what was going to happen in the first place. He said what they were going to do. Why? This is the smart young man. I mean, I would listen to him. I said, this man, this, this young man's not stupid. He knows the system, as he calls it, the matrix. He knew they were going to come after him. And then he said some kind of joke or made some comment about Thunberg, Greta Thunberg, the darling of climate uh, crisis, which we all know is a fake. And then in 24 hours, the policeman was at his door. All of a sudden, some women said that he did some sexual stuff towards them or whatever the case might be. The same two women that were videotaped, that were recorded by his associates, which were females, that was at his place in Romania dancing and taking off their clothes while Andrew Tate and his brother was upstairs sleeping. One of the girls got caught, got caught lying to her boyfriend and said that the boyfriend, that told the boyfriend that Andrew Tate and them took him to Romania and held them against their will. And he called the American embassy in Romania. She didn't expect that to happen. And then all hell broke loose. Now... The all, all hell broke loose. Now look what's going on. And she now she got caught. And now Andrew Tate, they're gonna try everything they can to try to stick something on him because he's saying things that threatens the establishment. He's saying things that's waking young men up. He's teaching young men to be men, to be alphas. He's saying, get off your fat ass, go to the gym, get in shape, and um get your money right. That's what he's saying. And in our society today, that's just not acceptable. You can't tell men to be alphas. You can't tell them to use their masculinity. You can't tell them that they have to be betas. 
And so just like Jordan Peterson, just like the guys from Fresh and Fit, just like Andrew Tate, any man that tells young men to grow some kahunas, he's a danger to the feminist movement and to the establishment. So again, we listen to Andrew Tate and we see the farce that's going on. We really see what's going on. We see the farce. So we didn't have a problem with him. I think it's a shame what's going on. But again, this is the world we live in. And then again, like I said before, you got to look at it from the Council on Foreign Relations. You got to look at the Trilateral Commission. You have to look at the economic forum. You have to look at the central, the international bankers. You have to look at those organizations that's really, really trying to destroy the relationship between man and woman. That's one of the objectives. And if they can do that, they can keep the population reduced. Okay? That's the whole goal. And that way, they can dominate. And that's what they want to do. So I had to uh, uh, say my little two cents on that. That, again, um, I think anybody out there, I think everybody out there, male and female, needs to listen to this young man. Because what he's saying is facts. What he's saying, I used to say all the I've been saying for years, ever since I was a young man. All the time. I used to be like, uh, no, I'm not letting no woman dominate me. That's not, I'm an alpha. And that, that was my, that's the way I've been all my life. And I was developed by a woman because <laughs> my mom was, a, she was tough as nails, you know? So I think, uh, we're losing a lot with our men, our young boys are being, uh, demasculized and the females are being masculized, which I didn't know the other day, five out of one males between the age of 18 and I think 30 or 35 are committing suicide versus the women five out of one five out of one are committing suicide because they don't know their role and they haven't a lot of them haven't been developed by men and they've been attacked by women and they've been attacked by the system and a lot of these guys are checking out because they haven't been developed on don't they don't know how to be a man because they've had women trying to develop them all their lives you know some of us made out but the most of them, especially the ones that's coming up now, the Gen Zs and the Millennials, I feel bad for them. Because these guys are catching it. And I'm glad I'm not a young man living it right now because it'd be no way. I'd be checking out like the rest of these guys. You know, like the rest of, you got a lot of these guys now, they call them passport, uh, what was it, passport, passport men. I'm going to say men because I can't understand. And they're going overseas and finding women overseas in Japan, the Philippines, Indonesia, and they're marrying those women. Because they have more traditional values than the Western women. A lot of these guys don't want to touch the Western women because they, these women, are, uh, uh, they've lost their mind. So what Andrew Tate is saying, my wife totally agreed with it. I didn't even have to say anything. I'm like, damn, you like Andrew Tate, don't you? She said, what he's saying is right. She said, what he's saying is right, 110%. So um, that's my little take on Andrew Tate, you know, and the whole situation. And I think everybody needs to give him a listen. I think... Um, we live in a society right now that wants to counsel everybody that uh, doesn't go along with the establishment. And uh, if you have a brain and you have any critical thinking going on, you are a danger to the system. And I think we all need to wake up to that and understand that whole thing. We need to understand that. Anyway, that's enough about that uh, Andrew Tate situation. And uh, let's get on with this um, World Economic Forum and get on with this uh, woman over here that was on a panel at the World Economic Forum, Vera uh, Jerova, and uh, what she said was, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people didn't, didn't know about this because they don't televise what happens at the World Economic Forum in Davos. 
where Henry Kissinger, where Henry Kissinger <laughs> is uh, right now, and he suggested that now Ukraine should become part of NATO. Um, but let me go into what Vera said. Vera claimed during the World Economic Forum panel that the United States soon will have an illegal hate speech law in the United States of America. Now, understanding that when people disagree with the narrative of the uh, pandemic, of the mRNA, uh, therapeutic drug, the transgender uh, situation, the pronouns, everybody was calling that hate speech because you disagreed and you had a different outtake on it. Well, here's, here is where they are trying to usher in, you know, which is a direct threat to the Constitution. They're trying to usher in and control the thought police are trying to control what you say and what you don't say and what they deem as hate speech. Now, she goes on and says, Vera made a claim on the panel on the clear and present danger of disinformation with former CNN host Brian Stelter on Tuesday. For hate speech, we need the people who understand the language <laughs> and the case laws in the country because what qualifies as hate speech, illegal hate speech, which you will have soon also in the United States. So I guess they already have this uh, in Europe and other places and whatever. And now I guess it's coming to a theater near us in the United States. Uh, we have a strong reason why we have this in the criminal law. Okay, Vera said. And I guess you can go see this on uh, her video on Twitter. I don't have a Twitter account. So I guess if you have a Twitter account, you can go see this. And then she further goes on and says, we need the platform to simply work with the language and identify such cases. The AI, the AI artificial intelligence would be too dangerous. Vera continues. The World Economic Forum description of the panel on their website says, how can the public, regulators, and social media companies better collaborate to tackle disinformation and information pollution uh, spread at a unprecedented speed and scale? <laughs> and of course, you know, uh, Stelter was fired by CNN last year. Now, again, hear these people, anytime you disagree with the establishment, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, the World Economic Forum, the international bankers who control all the media, control everything, the media, the colleges, the, the primary schools, secondary schools, private schools, they, they control everything. When you don't fall in line, they'll want to say that they want to charge you with hate speech. And I'm pretty sure they're going to try to make it a federal, uh, a uh a uh, not a misdemeanor, but a what, they, what, what else is it? Um, a felony. They want to. They're gonna probably want to call it, make it a felony. These people cannot stand being challenged on any level. They think they are so brilliant. They think they are so brilliant that if anybody, me, you, you know, us regular guys, challenge them, or even we scratch our head and go, ah, I don't know, man, I think something's. Something don't sound right about that. They're going to consider us a threat. And you have to understand that. 
they're going to consider us a threat. And so we have to understand the nature of these people and what their whole idea is. Now, again, I told you I just finished reading this book, The Shadow of the Power, The Shadow of Power, The Council on Foreign Relations and American Decline. These people have been trying to get rid of our Constitution ever since. And I'm going to say ever since um, 1776, um, ever since 1786 when the uh, Constitution was ratified, ever since the War of 1812, ever since uh, 1919 in Geneva where... Uh, where Wilson went down with his 14 points and they tried to get us to join the League of Nations and the one thing that saved us from a one world government at that time was a clause in the Constitution that all uh, treaties needed to be ratified by the Senate and our Senate at that time was wise enough following the Constitution to say the American people would not tolerate giving up their sovereignty and their freedom for supposedly peace in our time. And so our congressmen decided that our, our senators decided that that wasn't a good idea for the country and for the United States. And for that, and for that, when people want to talk about the crash of 19, uh, 1929, that was a punishment for not joining the League of Nations. But the League of Nations, the name just changed from the League of Nations. They changed it to the U.N., that's all it is. It's still the same League of Nations. And the same characters who developed or started the League of, uh, the Council on Foreign Relations in 1921, the Rockefellers, you're talking about uh, the, the Rockefellers did it. You got Colonel Mondale House. You got the Wahlbergs. You got J.P. Morgan. The same guys with the Central Bank and Federal Reserve System. Okay, here are here, the same guys, the Rothschild. Here are the same guys that really was upset because they thought the Bolshevik Revolution was going to usher in, which was communism, was going to usher in, was going to affect the whole rest of the world and everybody else was going to be want to be communists. You know, they want to have all of our power given to the government and the government was going to basically uh, control the world under the idea of saving us in peace. But, the, but our senators, knowing the American people, we have been breastfed on the Constitution was not about to give up our freedom and our sovereignty for anybody. We had already did our bit in World War I, which was a sham, and we weren't going to give that up, and that really pissed these guys off. And these guys have been trying ever since then to overthrow our Constitution. But let me, let me give you a little example in this book. Now, forgive me, I'm going to read just a little bit. I'm not going to hold you on it. But, but I had this book in my library. And again, when I'm digging through my library and I'm looking for the next book to read, I come across things, books that I'm like, damn, I didn't, didn't know I had that book on the council. Because I was getting ready to get a book on the council on foreign relations after reading the trilateral over Washington. And I was like, wow. And I read this book really fast. And that's not normal for me because I normally get, you know, distracted. But let me read. Let me read a little bit to you on this book. I mean, this ch chapter 14, I would suggest anybody out there, please go get this book. It is a... You will not be disappointed. You will not. And it will give you some idea, some idea of how we have been played, how we've been coerced and manipulated for a very, very long time, for a very, very long time. Because, again, if it wasn't for our senators going by the Constitution, we could have very well have been under a one world nation today. 
super capitalism and communism merging together as one. Having a, a police state, having, I mean, we would have no freedoms whatsoever. That whole pandemic that just happened, if we had if we had signed into the League of Nations, all of us would have had to take that shot whether we wanted to or not. Every last one of us would have had to. And because we have that constitution, because the framers were smart enough, because they had lived under tyranny, they had lived under a dictatorship, they had lived under authoritarianism, they knew what it looked like, what it smelled like, and they did not want this for this country. But there's a lot of people that don't appreciate that because they're not students of history. So they don't understand. But let me go over this a little bit on page 14. And then, and, and this right here was like the threat to the Constitution. It starts off here. And um, it talks about as the Christian Science Monitor noted in 1984, amid the planning for the festivals and fineries, pumps and ceremonies, there's a deeper meaning we must be careful not to miss. The bicentennial gives an opportunity for a redirection to the principle, a rededication to the principles of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And for some careful thoughts about the wisdom of the constitutional revision, emphasis adding. Now, again, they wanted to take the bicentennial. I remember when the bicentennial came out. They wanted to take that opportunity to try to have a constitutional convention, which we haven't had one since 18, since uh, 1786, to try to rewrite the Constitution, to rewrite the Constitution in their favor, in their favor. So let me read to you about this gentleman who was co-chairman of the project of, of, uh, of the, the Constitution Committee. The 1987 thing was James McGregor Burns. Okay, an advocate of the constitutional revision. Burns wrote in 1984, wrote in his book in 1984, The Power to Lead. Let us face reality. The framers of the Constitution have simply been too shrewd for us. They have outwitted us. They designed separated institutions that cannot be unified by mechanical linkage, frail bridges, and tinkering. If we are to turn the founders upside down to put together what they put asunder, we must directly confront the constitutional structure they erected. These, these fools, these devious people want to get rid of the constitution that puts the power that puts the power in the hand of the people that put roadblocks in the way these framers these i'm telling you the founding fathers were so smart and this is what a lot of people fail to realize here now i used to be a big critic of thomas jefferson because he was a slave owner a benjamin franklin a Monroe. George Washington. I used to be a crit. I mean, I used to be a hard critic of these guys. And you know what I've come to realize? And know what I've come to say? Thank God for them. Because if not, we would definitely be living in a different world today. And it would not favor you or me. We would definitely be living under a dictatorship. Okay? Letting you know that right now. These people want to destroy us. 
and they've been doing it forever. They got to, they are to the point that they decided because they had tried for so long to do it from top down and realized they couldn't do it from the top down because the American people, those darn American people are in love with the Constitution and their sovereignty and freedom and we cannot get them to give that up. So what they decided to do, they want to do it from the bottom up. They go in our institutions and they start developing our teachers and our instructors in a different way to think of socialism instead of 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 the constitution of freedom of liberty they wanted to usher in socialism and a lot of people don't know this we got 70 percent as i understand it 70 percent of gen z's they did a poll and i don't really trust polls but 70% of Gen Z said that they would vote for socialism if they could. These are young people who have did this, are young people that don't know anything about history. They don't know about communism. They don't know about Marxists. They don't know about the dangers. They don't know about Cambodia. They don't know about the things that's happened. Philippines. They don't know about Cuba. They don't know about the Gulag. They don't know about when communists come into power, what happens to people. They don't know about it. They assume that they know, but they have no idea what's going on. Now, listen to these guys right here. Now, you got the Committee of the Constitutional System, the CCS. Okay. Um, as of January 1987, the CCS had 48 board directors, more than a third of them members of the Council on Foreign Relations. And I can assure you guys, when you start going back and looking at the Carter administration, when you start looking at Roosevelt, FDR's administration, when you start looking at Reagan's administration, every president since the Council on Foreign Relations was formed in 1921, every cabinet, every presidential uh, uh, appointee was vastly large amount of Council on Foreign Relations people. And it was always the same people over and over again. And these people were responsible and directing our foreign policies, which was all about communism. The Council of Foreign Relations had people like Fidel Castro, Mao Zedong, Pol Pot speaking at the Council of Foreign Relations and yet saying that they're not communists. And they never had any, really any conservative people talking to them. They always had communists. Always. What people like to call progressives today. So let me go back over here. So the, C, so the CCS had 48 board members board directors, more than a third of them were Council on Foreign Relations, belong to the Council on Foreign Relations. Co-chairing the CCS is Douglas Dillon, who with uh, David Rockefeller also co-chaired the aforementioned company for the council that raised $14 million so that the Council on Foreign Relations could contemplate a new national road. The CCS is proposing drastic changes in the Constitution. These were outlined in a 1985 book, Performing American Government, Reforming, I'm sorry, Reforming American Government, the Bicentennial Papers of the Committee of the Constitution System. <laughs> let me give you a number, let me give you some ideas of what these guys are going over. Okay, one proposal would have us emulate the European Parliament system. American voters would be unable to cast ballots for individual candidates, restricted instead by choosing a party slot slate across the board. This would eliminate independent candidates, which would suit the establishment very well. Think about this for a second, guys. 
There will be no more. If they could get this through, there will be no more individual candidates. You would just pick either blue or red. But no idea who's part of the blue or red. And if these people will have your best interests at heart at all. Okay, this is what they deal with in, in, in Britain. This is what they deal with in Britain. See, this is why they hate our system, because we, we have the ability to vote in individuals based off of their merit and their characters and not just a whole party. Um, let me go to number two. The Congress would be expanded. The parties whose nominee that becomes president would designate one-sixth of all representatives in the House, of, in the House, which is Congress, and one-third of all senators. This would diminish the elective power of the voter and the balance, the voter, and the balance between the elective and the legislative sphere. They want to eliminate our voices altogether. Not that we ha really have a whole lot of voice anyway, it's just an illusion, but they want to eliminate our voices altogether. Period. This is what these guys want in the Council of Foreign Relations and the Trilateral Commission. Uh, third, the requirement for the Senate ratification of treaties would be Lord. Now, remember, I just told you about how there was a treaty, a clause about ratifying treaties that the Senate had to do that was that was in the Constitution. Well, they want to get rid of that altogether. They want to get rid of that, that the Senate really would have no voice in ratifying treaties. Okay. So basically, whatever this group of intelligent, very wealthy international bankers and lawyers come up with, we would just have to trust them on it, right? Even though it would only benefit them and not us. Number four, the CCS has also advocated extending representative terms from two years, which is the House of Representatives, the Congress, to four years, and the Senate from six to eight, and allowing the congressmen the House to serve in the executive branch while still holding their seat in the Congress. <laughs> this is what people aren't aware of. What's going on right up under our noses. Because some people say, well, I'm not political. I, I don't really understand politics. All you have to do is read up about the Council on Foreign Relations, the history of the Federal Reserve, the Trilateral Commission, the World Economic Forum, and you will have a clear picture of what politics is really all about. It's about taking the power away from you and your liberties and having it in the hand of a small group of people, which is communism, Marxist, socialism. Okay? Now, I'm going to go over with Mr. Mr. Burns, right? No, no, I'm sorry. It's I'm going to go keep going on. Not surprising, these proposals have perceptible ancestry in a, in a foreign a foreign affairs article it was written in 1980 by lord 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 n cutler council of foreign relations council for the president Carter, council for president carter after the senate refused refused to ratify the dubious salt II treaty he finished his article by noting that while a constitutional convention could achieve the changes he contemplated, a more uh, practicable first step would be the appointment of a bi bipartisan presidential commission. Cutler went on to become co-chair of the CCS. 
Now I'm gonna go down with what this what this fool wanted to, what, he, what he wanted to do. The CCS members are not just mulling over the modifications, but the possibility of a whole new constitution. In reforming American government, we read the change will require major surgery. One cannot stop short of a bold, decisive departure, and yet a guiding principle should be to write the new constitution in a way that permits considerable leeway. Emphasis adding. This is what these guys want to do. I keep over, I want you to get this. And I know I'm just kind of repeating myself, but I want you to get the idea of what the Council on Foreign Relations, what these guys want to do. They want to get rid of your rights and your constitution. They want to rewrite it. And if they can get these guys to go along with it, they will rewrite it. That's what they're trying to do right now. And you heard the woman at the economic, the World Economic Forum talk about hate speech. <laughs> we gonna have laws on hate speech, which our First Amendment right tells us that we have the right to say anything we want to say. But they want to take that away from us and call that a crime. Um, let me go on. The idea of a modern constitution is not itself new. In fact, this is what I didn't know until I read this book. One has already been written. It was published in 1970 by, by the Center of Study and De, uh, Democratic Institutes, which was established by the Ford Foundation Financing. And if we know anything about that organization, that find out foundation, you should know. It's rotten to the core. This constitution was primarily drafted by Rexford Guy Tugwell, an old member of FDR's Brain Trust. Which again, that brain trust was not FDR's brain trust. It was the Council on Foreign Relations brain trust. That's what it was. Uh, among the extreme changes, its article called for were the conversion of the Senate from an elected body to one entirely appointed by the President of the United States. <laughs> I mean, this is this is what they this is what they want. They want you to have no voice. It's members, some of whom will come from the private groups, to serve, to serve for a lifetime. Imagine that. The appointees of the Senate of the United States of America by the president will serve for a lifetime. Right? What other what other what else do we have in this country that does that? The Supreme Court justice for a lifetime. Woo! Wow. Transfer of state. Here's another thing they want. Transfer of state powers to the federal government. Nationalization of the communication industry and conditional removal. Conditional removal of the right to trial by a jury. These fools want to take away your right to be tried by a jury. They just want to say you're guilty, take you out back and execute you. They want to nationalize the communication system. That means there is nobody like me, Norman Goodman, the old dog podcast, being allowed to do what I'm doing right now. If you like listening to Joe Rogan, he would not exist anymore. You like listening to Tate, won't exist anymore. Jimmy Doyle, won't li- you won't be able to listen to them anymore because they are going to take control of all media, period. End of discussion, case closed. So I'm just giving you a little bit of the Council on Foreign Relations, which I know a lot of people out there have no clue and no idea about. None. 
understand every president from from Wiljoe Wilson even up even to now have had Council on Foreign Relations members dominate their cabinets. Even Donald Trump. Donald Trump brought the same old guys in. And when you go and start looking at who's part, who and understand the Council of Foreign Relations, you have to be invited to that. You cannot just walk in. Same thing with the Trilateral Commission. Now, they portray themselves as, you know, we just a whole bunch of concerned citizens, just, you know, just sitting around talking, blah, blah, blah. No, these guys aren't. These are unelected individuals that has control over our elected individuals. So pretty much basically, this is your dark government. The international bankers, the lawyers, this is this is it. Yeah, they, they know at first they were all communists and progressives that was in a trilateral commission. They at first they were all bankers and lawyers, but then they tried to dress it up and they started bringing academia in. They started bringing other people in to try to dress. They even got a couple of so-called conservatives, but those conservatives may appear to you as being conservative, but all their policies are all progressives. You know, you're talking about, you know, everybody. You're talking about from Reagan, Reagan, hey, you know, I'm a conservative, a Republican. All his policies were progressive. Every last one of them. And it was definitely all about any country that wanted to be anything like the United States, that wanted liberty and freedom for their people, was turned into a communist state. When, when Japan left China, Russia went in and gave all those weapons to Mao Zedong. And Mao Zedong was able to use those weapons to Chiang Kai-shek, who had been fighting Mao and the communists because he wanted liberty for the Chinese people. And when that happened, he had to go over into Taiwan. And this is why you had the big issue with Taiwan and the mainland China. Because Taiwan is more free than mainland China. But make no mistake, our, our, our foreign policies of the United States had a lot to do with Mao coming to power, had a lot to do with, with uh, Russia being communist, had a lot to do with Fidel Castro being a communist, Guatemala, all these places, the Philippines, everything had a lot to do with that. All of our foreign policies, why? Because in every administration, it was a council on foreign relations, which is a communist organization that was in control of our foreign policies. Richard Nixon was nobody. Eisenhower was nobody. Marshall was nobody. A lot Carter was a nobody until the Council on Foreign Relations. And you had the act, same thing with Ronald Reagan. They wanted Gerald Ford. Until Reagan said, you can trust me. In America, we get fed something else. We get fed this boogeyman thing. Oh, the communists, the McCarthy. McCarthy was the one that was going after the communists. And then he got crushed because that was a direct attack against the Council on Foreign Relations. But see, in our history book, we don't hear that. We're told that Chiang Kai-shek was a bad guy. Mao was a great, great guy. We get told all these, all these wonderful stories about the communists. And they were murdering millions of their people, Pol Pox and all these guys. You know, in the Vietnam War, 
we never dropped bombs on North Vietnam War. We dropped them all on South Vietnam War that wanted to emulate the United States. But yet the Council on Foreign Relations wanted South, the whole Vietnam to become like North Vietnam. When we had the Korean War, the United States was supposedly went to war to protect South Vietnam, Korea from North Korea. Okay? MacArthur was getting ready to go in and kick that ass in North Korea. And Marshall, his boss, Truman and them told, said, hey, put a chokehold on MacArthur. Don't let him go over there. And when the Chinese government got a, a phone call saying, don't worry about MacArthur, we got this. Y'all go ahead on and come on through. The general of China back then said, I, army said, I would never have entered into North Korea if I didn't know, if, if, if the United States government did not tell me I didn't have to worry about uh, MacArthur. Because we knew we couldn't beat the United States if we went to war with the United States. Because MacArthur's army was too strong for that. And then MacArthur gets fired. And then Truman is out after that because American people did, wasn't putting up with that. This man got a parade. Marshall, you find out when you read this book. Marshall, all those guys were grimy. We've been lied to on, on everything ever since we've been growing up, guys. We've been lied to and deceived. I told you guys before, we are in a war against evil spirits. That's what we are. And we need to wake up. Like Andrew Tate says, the matrix is coming after anybody who tried to wake up someone else. I'm just a peon. I'm nobody right now. But if I start to get a large following, they will come after me just as much as they came after Andrew Tate. They would do the same thing. But I'm nobody. I don't have anything. I'm broke. I'm nothing. I'm just a little peon right here. But make no mistakes. They've taken out guys that they feel like if they, if they feel like that you can wake a few people up, just one, they'll come get you. So again, I gotta, I can't overemphasize in 2023, guys, we have got to fight like our lives depend on it. Because it, it does. We have to make sure that they do not put, uh, let some boys with mental illness, they call themselves transgender, to go into the women's bathroom. We have to make sure that does that the girls' bathroom, we got to make sure that doesn't happen. We have to ignore uh, uh, news sites like Vice because they're owned by Soros. Soros owns 44% of Vice, and Vice put out a supposed documentary about Andrew Tate. And you understand who owns Vice or who runs Vice. Okay? You got to understand Vice. I, I, I looked at over the holidays, a there was a panel of, supposedly a panel of, uh, a feminist and anti-feminist and it was three men who thought that they were women on the panel the moderator and two men <laughs> it was the craziest thing in the world you wanted to see it was instead of having women they had three men up there pretending to be women it was the most amazing thing you wanted to see so again we're up in a we're up against a battle but i wanted to go over that a little bit with you I want to start this uh, New Year, this New Year's off 2023 uh, with a bang. And uh, I want to make sure that everybody, I'm just giving you nuggets, folks. I'm giving you nuggets. That's all I'm giving you. I want you to do your own due diligence. I want you to dig. Google and Wikipedia, like I said before, aren't the places you're going to have to do the hard work. You're going to actually have to pick up books. You're going to actually have to sit down and read. Turn the TV off and read. That's what you're going to have to do, Okay. Because again, guys, this is not, this is about our country. This is about our country. This is about the lives of our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren when we are gone. And if we fail right now, if we fail 
to recognize the danger. It's not you. It's not me. It's not black against white. It's not gays against non-gays. It's not the LGBTQ community against straight people. This is how they keep us divided. It's about it's the enemy. It's the international bankers, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab and his and his group, and people that the Henry Kissingers. It's people that we don't even know and we haven't even seen behind the scenes. Those are our enemies. And right now, they got a chokehold on this country. And that constitution is the only thing that's keeping us from, from being conquered. And we better appreciate that damn constitution. We better appreciate it. Because these men, when they signed that Declaration of Independence, they actually became treasonous, treasonous and could have died if we had, if this country had lost that war. And we would not be in the place we are now. We would be, be a part of the British uh, Empire. We would be. I still think we part of it, but not 110% because we still have that constitution and that keeps us from being 100% part of the British Empire. All right. So again, that's my podcast right there for the, for today. Um, I want everybody to be safe. Please do not forget to support the podcast, the Old Dog Soapbox podcast. You, uh, for a cup of coffee a month, $4.99, you can uh, become a uh, subscriber to my podcast. Also, go to, I put up a, six new um, t-shirt designs yesterday, and I'm going to do some digital products tomorrow. But uh, go to um, Old Dog uh, Soapbox dot creator dash spring dot com and please uh purchase something a sticker a cup a shirt or something to keep this old dog going um i didn't get a lot of sales uh last year so but i'm in it for the long run and i'm hopeful and i know that eventually we're gonna grow this podcast um and we're gonna really really uh connect with some people all across the world not just in the united states of america so again be safe happy new year's to you and again like i always say if you have some beef with somebody take care of it bury it mend those bridges and again you gotta stay safe okay this is norman goodman signing off of the old dog soapbox podcast see you on the next episode